Um, hey, where would you where would you like to go? How would you choose between Vanuatu or Greece, huh? Um, you know, there are some stunning places around this beautiful world uh, of gods, but um, um, you know, even amidst the most beautiful scenery and some of the uh, loveliest, most pristine beaches you've ever seen, um, there can be soul pain. People who don't know God, and um, and of course, uh, pain comes to all of us. And even in beautiful tropical places, you can you can have all manner of of things happen: cyclones and malaria and and hardship. You can have a beautiful place like Greece, but it can be uh, just um, um, uh, plundered by economic crisis and so forth. You know, there's not a place on, not a square inch on this earth that is spared pain and difficulty. And in those confronting moments, that's when we have an opportunity to, to cry out to God. But how would we know to cry out to him unless, of course, we knew who to cry out to? How would we, how would we hear his name unless somebody had proclaimed it? And how would anyone proclaim it, of course, unless they had been, been sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? As part of the passion um, of ours at the Vine Baptist Church is to ensure that there are, wherever there are people in places and situations where they've not had the opportunity that we've had to know the love of Jesus Christ, well, hey, we're Aussies. We want everybody to have a fair go. That's just not right, huh? We want everybody to have the opportunities that we've had to know about the love of Jesus Christ. Now, one of the ways we can learn to do that, and particularly in you know, in understanding what long-term cross-cultural mission might look like is by having a taste, a taste and see. And that's what really short-term mission trips are about. Um, normally, as you know, we would send a team to Greece. We're not going to do that this year, actually. Um, having said that, if God has really put it on your heart and, and you want to be a part of all that Hellenic Ministries are doing, you heard the team last week talk a little bit about that. Um, by all means, you would have our prayer, our support, you would have our absolute backing. But as a church, we're not going to send a team this year. 2019, though, wow, we're going to send a team. Um, it's going to be a great a great year. There's lots happening in 2019. They've got a very, very special Easter program, and we're going to partner with them by by sending a team from, from the Vine Baptist um, in 2019. But maybe this year, you're prompted to somehow partner with God, and you're kind of feeling like, I, I kind of feel an urge to, to be involved in what he's doing. I'd like to, like to just uh, minister, be used by him to minister to, to others. And, um, and so Sam is uh, very, very interested in hearing from you if that's the case. Um, he is the contact person for a, what we call a mad safari to Vanuatu. Mad means um, mission, adventure, and discovery, I think. Is that right? And uh, these, these trips are, are run on an annual basis by Dave Wake. Normally, um, these, these mad safaris are in our very own country, um, up, up north, to um, uh, meet some very, very precious indigenous folk, um, some who um, already are believers and some who are not. And that's been a fantastic trip, and Sam and others of you can testify to that because you've, you've been on that. This year, though, it's going to be the Vanuatu where they're going to be celebrating the translation of a, a New Testament and, and just giving you opportunities to learn about um, the important work of Bible translation. Why does it take so long? And why is it important for people to be able to read God's Word in their heart language? And so if you'd like to, like to find out more, you do see, see Sam about that a little bit later. And even though we're going to kind of officially announce this a little bit later, 
Um, our very own Amber McKenzie, she didn't know I was going to do this, uh, but, but she has just recently, um, and this is going to deserve a clap in a minute, she's just recently um, been accepted for an internship with WEC, uh, formerly World Evangelization Crusade. And, um, and so she's actually, is it a one, two-year internship? Just, just one year. Initially, this is how they kind of rub you. Anyway, um, so so Amber's been accepted for that, and um, we've two lovely um, folk, Jim and um, Lynn, uh, are kind of overseeing seeing that, and um, they um, they've actually been visited our church, and we'll be seeing a little bit more of them. But um, two of you would like to find out more about what WEC has been doing. They've got a fantastic little Bible college down there in Tassie, um, associated with MST. Come and come and see Amber, but in a a few weeks, I, I don't know exactly when. I think, Sam, you're kind of um, arranging for a little bit of a commissioning with, with Amber as well. So we're pretty excited about that because, again, it's just an extension of our heart for the nations and another way in which we can join all that God is doing. So, so now you can clap, Amber. Yes. Woo! But that's, that's not the official clap. That will happen later on when, yeah, where we actually commission her. Oh, we're pretty, we're pretty excited about the opportunity always, aren't we, to open God's word. And I wonder what he's got in store for you tonight. Um, I can tell you this, you can trust him, and we'll see why in just a moment. You can trust Jesus to, to lead you. Um, he loves you. He so loves you. And uh, he longs. The very best thing for your life is to follow him with all, love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and follow him with exactly the same, same measure of devotion. And, um, and so here, God's word, we'll open it in a moment. It's going to teach you. It's going to guide you. It's going to, to show you how to live a that, that life that is truly life, a life um, of, of godliness. And um, um, so let's pray and, and then get into his word. Hey? Heavenly Father, we, we thank you again for the opportunity to be here tonight and to, um, yes, to open up your word and to hear you speak to us. What a privilege. Uh, you are not silent. And I thank you for that. And we invite you now, Holy Spirit, to come and minister to us, um, heart and mind, to help us to understand how you would have us live. Lord, we thank you for this time of the year. It's a very, very special time. Many of us have, in our devotions and just our walk with you, have had some, some moments to think about Easter and all that it means, your crucifixion, your resurrection, and the implications of that for our lives. And we pray that once more this, this Easter 2018 won't just pass us by as, oh, yeah, 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 another another holiday, a religious holiday or something, but our hearts would be stirred by your sacrificial love once more, that we would encounter you and understand more of this remarkable invitation to life, the life that is truly life. Lead us now, we pray, in your precious name. Amen. I don't know, let me just, just check something. Uh, Luke. I don't know if you're still here. You might have to pause this later on and start it again. A little bit of editing, but that never hurt anyone. Um, Rich, have we got a video up there per chance from this morning of the, the cross being put into, into place? Just have a little bit of a look and give me the thumbs up if so, and we'll just, we'll just kind of play that in a minute. Um, pretty, pretty amazing to, to actually see the, see the cross put into place. I was down there with, with Darren and uh, Joel. Was it? 
Um, there's so many Joels in the world, aren't there? And it's a, it's a better place for it. Um, but uh, Darren's apprentice, Joel, we were, we were down there, and um, actually we needed a crane to, to lift the cross up. And, and as we were just watching the cross sort of almost float over the skies, over the township of Eltham, I was actually videoing it, but I, but I was very, very moved at the time. Oh, we got it. Oh, there we go. And there's even epic music. Playing quietly in the background. I'll do it. There you go. There's just a little bit of a glimpse of the cross going up. Got another photo. I don't know if you've been down in town square and, and able to see it there. I think it's absolutely remarkable that that somehow, by the grace of God, he's, he's opened up the way for, for this to happen. Um, just just this week, um, I believe the, uh, uh, the, the Shire Council received some, some very encouraging feedback from people who don't necessarily share our faith. One email actually said, you know, I'm not... A Christian as it as it happens, but I'm really pleased to see the the cross in the town square, um, just symbolising the real meaning of Easter for Christians and those who share that faith. So that's kind of remarkable, huh? Now it hasn't been without its opposition either. There have been people who haven't been been happy to see that. But in one sense, I guess as Christians, that shouldn't surprise us. The cross has always been a a controversial symbol. We get used to it. We actually, we actually, many of you will be actually wearing a little cross. We make, you know, little gold and silver ornaments because it, it means something very, very precious to us. And so we keep it close to us. And, and, and maybe you have, um, you know, some sort of a symbol like that just to talk, you know, or remind you of the preciousness of the cross of Christ. But they're made so beautifully and so shiny, we can, we can sometimes forget that actually um, in their raw form, thousands of years ago, it was a symbol of death. It was a pretty controversial thing. We take this as the symbol for Christianity. And, and so it's very fitting for us around this time of the year, Palm Sunday, as we think about Jesus, um, uh, the crowds cheering as he came into Jerusalem as the all-conquering king and what that meant. Um, it's very fitting for us to think about the fact that as he came to Jerusalem, he was, he was called really um, to, to the cross. And as he was called to the cross, he was called to death. So, so let's just have a little bit of a, a think and, and a, a look at what the cross means. And um, I want to suggest three things, um, or C words, to go with the cross. I want to, want to talk a little bit to you tonight um, about the call of the cross. I want to talk to you a little bit about the critics of the cross. And I needed another C word. I wanted to talk to you also about the uh, accomplishment of the cross. And so so we're going to have a look at all of those those three tonight. And and hey, no no flash PowerPoint, but um maybe you have a Bible with you. Um and, and if not, um grab your phone. I'll I'll trust you to use it for holy purposes. Um and you've got a Bible on your phone. Um and uh, let's let's start by having a look in, in Luke. Um Luke chapter chapter nine. Uh, this has been a pretty Epic and eventful chapter, just by way of quick quick context. Let's have a little bit of a, 
a look at um, the call of the cross. Jesus has been predicting his death. The disciples are confused. There's the um, uh, Mount of Transfiguration and, and this amazing moment in which the disciples get to, get to see um, a little bit of, of uh, the glory of Christ and, the, and all that is ahead, the favor of the Father. A second prediction. Um, of Jesus' death. And then as they um, move towns, there's some Samaritan opposition. So look at chapter 9, verse 51, just this, this single verse. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. There's a little bit of an echo here and in, in Luke of, of just the way that Jesus was resolute in his commitment to do this, perhaps of Isaiah 50, the servant of the Lord, who set his face like a flint towards the purposes of God. And that's perhaps a little bit of what we're seeing here in Jesus as well. He wasn't a victim of circumstance. He didn't suddenly, all of a sudden, you know, kind of see the cross looming ahead of him and think, uh-oh, did not see this coming. Nor did he somehow feel that, you know, as an opportunist, ha, this is the way it's playing out. Let's see if we can leverage this. No, not, not at all. Jesus had predicted to his disciples on two occasions up to this point in time that he knew exactly what the cross would mean. Back in chapter 9, Verses 21, he says, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected. He must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. There's no doubt. Jesus knew exactly what the cross entailed. And so as we read later, he set himself resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He knew that that path to Jerusalem was a path to cross, was also a path to his death. He knew how this would play out. But it was a call, a call to obedience, obedience to the Father. He was called to, to this. And you and I today are called to exactly that same cross. It's perhaps a, a little bit of a misunderstood element of the Christian faith. We're very, very happy with our Saviour. We're sometimes a little perplexed when we discover him to be Lord. That he wants to be master of, of all of our life is, is sometimes a difficult thing to grapple with. But again, Jesus has said in this very, very chapter to the disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, I don't know, would you like to be Jesus' disciple? Yes, I think there's, there's silent amens I'm sensing throughout the audience. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. You know, I, I think we could grow this church pretty quick if I just offered you a prosperity doctrine. If I told you you're going to be happy, healthy, and wise as a result of following Jesus, we could fill this place yeah, pretty quick. And then I'll tell you the truth and we'd empty it again. The call to follow Jesus is a call that requires all of you, every aspect of your life. Now, why would Jesus do that? Because he loves you and he knows that that is what's best for you. To come in under his lordship, to let him be master of every aspect of your life is the only way to live. Jesus requires all of you, and he wants to be the only voice in your life that you listen to. If you think about the mediums of communication that we can tap into nowadays, there are very few moments in a day, are there not, where we're just completely still, and we do not have a radio or a song or a commentator 
or an ad or an email or a text or some form of communication popping up into our life and sending us a particular message. There are very few moments in our day where that would be true. Years ago, when I grew up, we had a, um, um, an old record player. Yes, it had a, yes, played vinyls and a little arm that sort of, you know, as a kid, I was able to scratch it right across the vinyl. And, and, um, and, and it had the initials on it, HMV. Does anyone know what HMV stood for? Do you remember? Yeah, Andrea? His master's voice, yeah. It was a, a, a little trademark that was adopted from a, a painting, an English painter. Um, he'd inherited, when his brother sadly died, he'd inherited his dog, as the story goes, his dog Nipper. And along with that, a phonograph and some, and some, some records as well. And uh, so Francis, I think his name was, when he um, played these, these records on the phonograph, it actually had his brother's voice on it. And his brother's dog, Nipper, apparently he was, he was fascinated. He was an artist, but he was fascinated by the way the dog, when he heard his master's voice on the phonograph, even though he, he'd, he'd deceased, he would you know, cock his head a little bit and was just absolutely fascinated with this little machine, which seemed to have taken captive of his master somehow, who was locked in there. And so he actually did a painting of it. And, and some of you may even have seen this painting of a, of a little, little dog with his head cocked and is listening to the phonograph, is listening to his, his master's voice. We should have found this to be true of um, one of our, our dogs, Anna. After a short stint in the police force and the police dog squad, um, I... I just fell in love with the breed German Shepherds. I just saw what a well-trained German Shepherd could do. So even though we were a young family and we had kids, and this is not usually the breed of dog that you choose when you've got young kids, I knew that if she was trained well, that, that it'd be okay. And sure enough, it was. It's fantastic. I still remember around the front yard of our, of our home, um, I remember the kids hanging onto the tail and skiing behind Anna the dog. And she was so tame with them. She was... She was their shepherd. She was there to protect the kids. She knew where she belonged in the pack and what her role was. And she was just amazing with the kids. Well, a, a time came when we felt called to head overseas. We we're going to, going to join the Dulos and we had to find a new home for her. It was, ah, it really tore at our hearts because we, we loved Anna. And uh, anyway, we found some dear friends of ours, Greg and Lee Sherman, put their hand up and said, we'll take her. Now, they weren't real doggy people. They warned us, you know, we will take her, but um, she's going to be an outdoor dog. I want you to understand that. That's okay. That's okay. We knew that Anna had a peculiar talent for worming her way into people's lives. Anyway, we'd get an email on the ship and, you know, hi, hope all is going well. Um, Anna's now an indoor dog, uh, but it stops, it stops at the tiles. She's not allowed on the carpet. And you thought, uh-huh, uh-huh. A few months later... Um, you know, uh, still loving Anna. She's now an indoor dog, and she's actually allowed to sit up on the couch with us when we watch television at night. And I think she even made her way slowly into the bedroom as well. <laughs> she kind of had this talent. Well, we were due for furlough. And, of course, one of the big items on our agenda as we came back home after a couple of years of being away was, of course, to go visit Anna the dog, and Greg and Lee Schumann, but, but Anna the dog. And of course, there was this little part of us that we haven't seen her for years. You know, what, what would the reunion be like? And, and I still remember um, driving up the driveway, and it was just a busy furlough. Lots of things were going through my head. And 
I wasn't even thinking when I opened the car door and I heard her. Now, she had a great bark on her. I mean, it was one of those ones, if you, if you were in a sort of a, the next neighborhood and you heard her bark, you would not, you would not proceed forward. You know, you, you just, you did not want to be near this bark. It was a woo, 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 woo. And anyway, she, even though she was an absolutely adorable dog, um, this bark was a bit of a threatening one. So as I got out of the car, I heard it and just instinctively said what I would normally, normally say, Anna! And, uh, and then I was helping get the kids out of the car. And what fascinated me was instant recognition. She had recognized her master's voice. You know, it went from a woo, 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 you know, it just kind of changed tone. And, and I remember to this, to this day, all of a sudden, this whimpering at the other side of the fence with this excited whimpering of, I know that voice. And I kind of think, this hasn't, it hasn't, it's been years since we've actually, I've caught out to her, I've talked to her or anything. And, and it was just like that, just like, you know, we had never been overseas. I think that's how it's supposed to be with, with, with God, the, the call of the cross is a call to be single-minded, to listen to just but one voice in our lives. This book is to, to be like a, like a record, play it on a regular basis, play it on a phonograph, and when we read it, when we open it, we're supposed to recognize it as our master's voice. There's supposed to be something in this book that we say, that's my God. Oh, I know his voice and I can trust him. I love him and his word to me is, it's like life. And to, this is my guidebook. This is, I can hear my master's voice through, through this record as it plays on a daily basis. As I, as I listen to scripture, as I memorize scripture, as this is playing through my mind, this is the one voice in my life that I listen to, that I heed, that I long for. We're supposed to look for that audience of one. So often, don't we live out our lives trying to please a boss, a superior, a family member, somebody else. There's always so many obligations, so many people that we need to please in our lives. And, and perhaps rightly so, we've committed ourselves to uh, certain aspects of, of um, a blessing other people in various relationships in our lives. But at the end of the day, it must be the audience of one. This must be the one person who has supreme command in our life. This must be our master's voice. The call of the cross is the same today as it's always been. And, and the call that compelled Jesus to resolutely head towards Jerusalem is the same call of God on your life and mine today to take up our cross and to follow Jesus and to say, I hear, I hear you and I heed you. You are my Lord, you are my master. This is a call that is still relevant, so relevant for us today. That's the call of the cross. But as we go forward, we are going to encounter critics of the cross. Um, within about 20 seconds of the, the cross being put up in, in Eltham, uh, Darren was busy kind of screwing some bolts down to kind of secure it uh, to its foundation there. And with ah, it was in the first couple of minutes, somebody walked up to me and, and just said in a, a voice just oozing antagonism, that's not going to be permanent, is it? And I just sort of, whoa. And I said, no, this is temporary. This is for Easter. And um, they had a few more choice words, which I, I, I felt compelled not to respond to. But you'll always be critics of the cross. It's always been that way. It always has. Um, Jesus himself, turn with me now. Um, our, 
Our next verse here is Mark chapter chapter 15. Have a have a look at Mark chapter 15. Verse 29, Jesus hanging on the cross, crucified with two rebels, one on his right, one on his left. And those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, and you could hear them oozing the ridicule here. So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. Can you hear the the ridicule in that. Essentially, they were mocking Jesus in that. You can't do it, can you? But amidst the ridicule was, was a cry to come down from the cross. Come down from the cross. Now turn with me over to Philippians chapter 3. I mentioned this morning Blair Keeble, our next-gen pastor, did a brilliant little sermon on this last year. But Philippians 3, let me just read to you verses 17 to 19. Paul says here, So join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And why would they need an example? Well, verse 18, For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. He goes on to say, but our citizenship is in heaven. There are enemies of the cross. And it's, it's helpful to actually remember the wording of that and what Paul is saying. When we are ridiculed as Christians, when we are heckled, when we are, you know, uh, I guess misunderstood and so forth, folk who are blinded and do not understand, do not share our beliefs and our worldview, they, they do not understand why we behave the way we behave, but they are not our enemies. They're not our enemies. It does well to remember they're enemies of the cross. They're blinded by the God of this age. They do not understand. We need to, we need to bless them and pray for them and, and, and ask for a day, which is exactly what I did as, as that, that lady on uh, Wednesday, I think it was, on Wednesday walked away. I, I just offered up a prayer for her that the eyes of her heart one day would be opened, that, that God would reveal himself to those parts of her which are hurting where there is pain. Paul says this and he doesn't say it with some antagonism in his voice. He says he says it's I say this with tears. His heart was was breaking for those who are enemies of the cross who do not understand um, our our faith and and the core that we we have and why we would joy in the cross of Christ. But there are those in our lives, and we just need to understand this, that do not understand the call of the cross. They don't understand why it called and compelled Jesus so many thousands of years ago and why it calls and, and should be a compelling influence in our life today. They do not understand. And they will call to you and they will call to I to get down off our cross. Remember Jesus said, if you would follow me, you must take up your cross. There is that sense in which every day that we live, we, we live as a living sacrifice. We are crucified with Christ. And there will be those voices in our lives. Some understand that they are enemies of the cross. Some do not understand that they are enemies of the cross. Sometimes it can even be from, from fellow believers that just do not understand what it is that God is asking of, 
of brothers and sisters, other brothers and sisters in the body. Um, I know that we have had to become more and more discerning in our own in our walk. Uh, in, the, in the early years, um, we, uh, uh, just as a young married couple, we had enough, enough money, just a few thousand dollars to put a deposit on a block of land. And, and um, wow, wow, many people were really, really delighted with that because I guess, you know, um, the, the good old Aussie dream of owning your own home, this would help us become secure and so forth. But that same year, we, we also knew that God was calling us to Bible college. And this is way before you had fee help and all such things. And, and so we had to actually withdraw from that contract. It didn't cost us, which was fantastic. And actually take that deposit that was going to go into a block of land. And, and that was our first year's fees at, at Bible college. Well, we had, we had quite a few critics. <laughs> we had folk who were saying, oh, that's not right. You know, you need to get secure. Once you've got your house, you know, once you've got your land, once you've got your house, once you're secure, once, then go to Bible college. Well, I quickly did the math, and I would be about 70, I think. And I kind of thought, oh, I don't know. It's, you know, I wonder if I, wonder if I should do it earlier than that. <laughs> On another occasion, sometimes it's our security, sometimes it's our health and well-being. We, we felt very much, very, very strongly led to join a a team from Bible college, actually, to, to go to the Philippines. We had, at that time, as best as we knew, um, an 11-month-old old baby, and, and Daniel wouldn't, couldn't be inoculated against you know, any diseases. And so uh, some ummed and ahed and thought, maybe you shouldn't go. Maybe it's too dangerous. We sort of thought, isn't there a point where we've just got to trust our kids to God? There will always be something. Um, there are diseases here in Australia. You know what? I think, I think God's asking us to go. Again, we had a number of critics, people who loved us and meant, meant the best. They really did, but, but it wasn't an easy decision. And imagine our surprise when we got over there. On one occasion, we were staying with a, a dear, dear brother, a Filipino pastor, Pastor Renchi, and his wife. and his, They had an 11-month-old little girl. We have an 11-month-old little boy, and, and they just kind of crawled around the floor together one day as we shared fellowship together. The next day, we got a phone call from just a very, very embarrassed, very apologetic Pastor Renchi who said, oh, we've just been at the hospital. You know, our little one, I forget their daughter's name, um, has typhoid. And, uh, of course, we'd love your prayer for her, but we're just really, really concerned, you know, about your little one as well. That was the moment. We said, all right. God, I think if we understood you correctly, you said to trust you. Well, this is the moment. We trust you. The end of that story was a beautiful outcome where, where Daniel didn't, you know, was just a healthy, bubbly, bouncing little baby and, and didn't contract the typhoid. And um, I remember to this, to this day, we were right at, at the end of a, I think it was a, it was a long mission trip, I think this one, Ros and Kelvin Nicole were with us as well. I think it was about six or seven weeks, which is a little unusual, but we're right at the end of it. At a debrief, we'd got, found a little place down by the beach and, and we're just, you know, we'd all gathered together. And uh, we'd been for, been for a little bit of a swim. And so Bron had been, you know, in her, in her bathers and, uh, um, and I noticed just what I thought might have been. You've got to be really careful about this, but just a little bit of a bump. And I thought, hmm, I've seen that bump before. And uh, so we kind of thought, I said, do you, do you think 
could be. Like we'd had, Bron had had x-rays just before we left and in a pregnancy test and, and so forth. We weren't expecting another one at that point. But um, anyway, um, uh, a little little test. I still remember we're in, de- you know, sort of having devotions and prayer and, and Bron had just got, got a hold of this pregnancy test and gone off. Um, to, um, uh, to see what the result was. And I remember her walking in the room and I knew instantly she just had that maternal grin on her face and then I thought, oh, wow, two. And it was kind of like God saying, I'm good for this. I'm up for this. You trusted me with Daniel and you didn't even know about Nat, did you? But, but I even had you there. Um, and, uh, and it was a lovely, lovely story of God's provision. But sometimes it can be security. Sometimes it can be health and well-being. Um, sometimes it can be success and reputation. I remember when I felt very much called by God to leave one mission and to go to another. And somebody said to me, Stuart, don't do it. Like you've been asked to be the director of this particular mission or ministry. And, and this is a great opportunity. You do not want to leave now and go to another mission. You won't be known. Nobody will know you. You'll be starting at the bottom, of the, the bottom of the ladder again and climb all your way to the top. And I said, oh, I never thought about myself climbing anywhere, actually. But I just think this is what God wants us to do. It can be security. It can be health and well-being. It can be success and reputation and future vocation. There will always be critics of the call on your life. But we are called to be called to the cross of Jesus Christ to take that up daily and to die to self, to follow him and to listen to his master's voice and only that voice. There will be people at times who are saying, I don't, <laughs> I don't like this. Um, I don't want to see you suffer. I don't, want to, I don't want to see you in pain. I don't want to see a difficulty in your life. I don't want to, I don't want to see this challenge. Sometimes it might even be what you're doing is convicting me. <laughs> you know? But there will be voices that will often say to us, come down from your cross. We need to understand in those moments, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I understand your hurt. I understand your pain. I understand your confusion. And even perhaps that we are misunderstood at this point. I understand that we don't, we don't share God's, God's guidance on this matter or, or perhaps we don't share a fundamental belief in God whatsoever. But to take up my cross means I am serving an audience of one, his master's voice, and that voice alone. That voice will lead me in the way everlasting. I trust it. I've learned to trust it. It's been good for the last 52 years, and I'm looking forward to hearing that voice for the next 52. Rough. Anyway, the call of the cross, the critics of the cross, they'll always be there. And then the last thing I wanted to talk to you about tonight was that other other C word, the uh, accomplishment of the cross. Um, and for this one, turn with me, would you, to, to Philippians again. Philippians, this time, though, Philippians chapter 2. Slightly different take than this morning. But what did Jesus accomplish on the cross? What well, we read as Paul is talking to us about having the same mind as, as Christ, we We read this, he accomplished much, actually. Let's just start at verse 8 there and read through to 11. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus 
every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What was accomplished through the cross? (laughs) Much, (laughs) much. Jesus himself, who became obedient to death, could, could not be exalted to any higher position. Isn't that true? Every knee is going to bow and every single tongue is one day going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What is accomplished for you and for I? Just turn back the previous book, Ephesians chapter 1, and what is accomplished by the cross in our life and our pursuit of the cross? Have a look at this. This is quite remarkable. Ephesians chapter chapter 1, we read in verse 5 that we've been predestined for adoption, that we might become children of God. In verse 7, that in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. This is accomplished on the cross on, on our behalf in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Then look in verse 13. Okay, here's where we are included in the work of the cross. You also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. All of that is being accomplished by the cross in your life. But there's more. Turn over the page. And then in, in verse 18, Paul is, is now praying that our, the eyes of our heart may be enlightened so that we can see what is accomplished by the cross, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. This has all been accomplished. As you continue to heed the call of the cross and, and just listen to that one voice in your life, Ignoring all of the critics of the cross, but listening to his master's voice. As you continue to do this, what will be accomplished? The completion of your salvation. That will be accomplished. That's our target. That's our goal. That's our aim. That's what we're, we're persevering after. Um, probably like a, a lot of people of my generation, when we, we grew up, Billy Graham was a household name. Most of us who heard the name and heard how God had used used him kind of, you know, couldn't help but feel like, oh, I'd love to be used by God like that too. If I had to had to think of a, a, a contemporary example, I guess it's probably for you young people um, watching uh, Christian music videos of famous contemporary singers and thinking, oh, I want to be like Stephanie Gnotchevich. Um, it's a difficult name to pronounce, but but, but you know you you possibly look at that too. People used of God in a in a in an awesome manner, and and I understand it. I I too, I just said, oh, I'd love to be used by God like Billy Graham or something. And and so we grow up, and yes, we, you know, with some pure motives and some not so pure motives. Let's be honest. Uh, we we want to be used of God and do a great work for God, don't we? And you know, it's not entirely incorrect because God has indeed made you for a great work. He's made you for good works. He made me for good works as well. You want me to tell you what I think is Billy Graham's greatest work? 
the last 20 years. Up to the age of about 79, you kind of think, but that's when he did his traveling. That's when he spoke to millions. That's when, that's when crowds responded to the gospel. That's when God used him powerfully in his preaching, right? Yes, absolutely. But from about 80 to, to 99, those last couple of decades, I think that was his greatest contribution. And what was that? He was mostly hospitalized. He couldn't get out. He, very few, if any, public appearances. Fewer and fewer visitors were allowed into, into his room in those, those last few years. So what's the contribution? Perseverance. Perseverance. He was faithful to the end. He did not waver from the fundamental truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He persevered, faithful to the end. Honestly, for those who kind of looked at a, a physical body riddled by disease and kind of feel like, oh, Lord, isn't it time to just take the poor chap home? I mean, how agonizing to have traveled the world, to have spoken to millions, and now you'd be, you know, hauled up in a, in a hospital room, in a hospital bed. That's just, that's just cruel. Let him go home. No, he had a mission, an important, important ministry to fulfill. Perseverance. We all want to do a great work for God. Here's the great work that God wants you to do. Stand firm. Persevere. Remain faithful. Do not waver to the end. Allow the Lord to complete his salvation work in your life. That's, that's a testimony worth telling. You know, you can have a spectacular first 40 years, but if at that point it all falls over, it just becomes awkward, doesn't it? That's a difficult testimony to talk about from that point on. God is looking for faithfulness. He's looking for those who finish well. He's looking for those who will enter heaven and hear those beautiful words. I long to hear it. Welcome, good and faithful servant. Endurance, perseverance. That's the, that's the accomplishment of the cross in your life. That's what you were being called towards. That's the great work that God wants for you and for me. So what is the cross to us? The cross is a call on our lives to follow Jesus. Yes, there will be critics, but as we listen to that one voice in our life and commit ourselves to him, much will be accomplished for the glory of the Father by your endurance and your faithfulness and mine too. Do not waver. Do not waver. The cross is worth everything. It really is. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we have just read tonight, that you resolutely set your face towards Jerusalem. We want to once again tonight Declare that we do likewise. Jerusalem, for you, was all about the cross, the center point of your ministry, the hinge point between the incarnation and your ascension and glorification.
Lord, the cross is the same for us. It's the hinge point and we hear its call again tonight. We want to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Keep us to the end. We commit ourselves to you. Once more, the one who is able to keep us. As Jude concluded in his doxology, able to keep us from falling, but more than that, even to present us before the splendor of his glory without fault and with great joy. To the only one true God, our Father, our Master, our Lord, the one voice we must listen to, be glory and majesty and power forever and ever and ever. May everyone in this room Heavenly Father, everyone in this room, those who have heard you speaking directly to them tonight, those who haven't yet encountered you to that extent, those who were able to understand this message and its call and its importance, and those for whom, well, it was just another message. I'm not sure how it hits home. doesn't really matter. Your spirit can work with both. I pray that every single person in this room will be held firm until that day. I pray that there would be another day where we are united in heaven before your throne. And on that day, we'll all get it. We really will. We'll all get it. We will get just how glorious and wonderful you are. We will understand in a fresh, new way what it is that you have called us to in the, in the extravagance of your glory. May you keep us all, Lord Jesus, all of us here tonight. Keep us all in your perfect peace and in your power. Present us before the splendor of your glory on that day, I pray. In all the Lord's people said, Amen. Let it be.